and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but show up ourselves. Yep. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Brian Thompson. No. Mm-mm. He's... Oh. Wait. That's Brian Thompson. Wait. I'm Carrie Poppy. Oh, oh no. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny because you can tell he's not because of his low voice. I don't have a low voice. This is how I sound. <laughs> is that how I sound? So, we, yes. Guys, is that how I sound? Have you ever listened to your own show? Yeah. You sound like this. Oh, it's like, Ross, 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 I'm Ross Blotcher. I'm Carrie Poppy. It's actually pretty good. What? <laughs> what the hell? We are joining Brian Thompson. We are joining we are Brian jo- Thompson. We are joined he's not jo- too. He's not joining us. We're, we're here at his house. And in his is, home office. Is, Soon you will be joined with me. And oh, God. This is a special episode of Ono, Ross, and Carrie uh-huh. uh, for Maximum Fund donors. So thank you for your hard-earned money. And we're here with Brian because he's going to to give you something very, very special, which is in him. In my pants. Which is him asking us the questions you've always been dying to ask. Because people are always asking us for episodes where we talk about ourselves. And I think there's quite a lot of that. Sure. But they sure. want more. The people want more. And I'm sure everybody knows who Brian Thompson is, but in case they don't. In case they don't. Look, this, this isn't about me. I mean, if you were going to describe me, you might say that I'm someone who hosts a, a wonderful podcast called Quit It that you can listen to. I don't know. Like at a website, uh, quititpodcast.com if you mm-hmm. wanted to look that up. Look, but that's neither here nor there. This is about you. This isn't about me. Host of the show Quit It, available at quititpodcast.com. This is is about oh no ross and carrie mm. and about your wonderful show which is also called oh no ross and carrie coincidence mm-hmm. yeah that only took you 70 seconds to talk about what this isn't about here's my first question okay. for you guys okay. mm-hmm. what's a podcast <laughs> it's like a radio show but on the internet what if i listen to a radio show like npr on a website is that a podcast? It can be. Yeah. Like, this can American be a, Life is the most It can be a radio popular. show and a podcast. Right. What if I listen to it through real audio? My I, real player. Well, then you've gone back in a time machine to 1996. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss real player. <laughs> you know what we need is an Ono Ross and Gary digital billboard. Bulletin board. Billboard? Bulletin board. A BBS? Yeah. yeah. Bulletin board system. Bulletin board, yeah. We need one of those where only one person can sign on at a time. And they're like, hey, everybody else. You and dial the into like, the Ono Ross and Gary BBS. You play the Ono Ross and Gary mud. Let's create an IRC channel while we're at it. But what I was wondering specifically is why did you two decide that you were going to make this podcast, Ono Ross and Gary, together? What was, what was that conversation like? Reenact it right now. Ross, you can play the character of Ross. Carrie, play Carrie. Okay. Hi, Carrie. Hey, Ross. It's me, Carrie. Yeah. Your blonde friend. Right. From the breeze. Flashback. (laughs) You first met. Go. Oh, yeah. I actually remember this quite well. Um, This is at the book club. Here we are. We're at a science book club. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Someone made a Simpsons joke. You laughed when I made the Simpsons joke. Yeah. Hi. You're another person who's not 40. Hi. (laughs) Hello. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. I heard you say that you worked on the Simpsons movie. That's true. I did. Cool. Yeah. That's it. Wow. Yeah. You worked on the Simpsons movie? I did. Yeah. Wow. You played te- Lisa. I was the technical director. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I um, I was responsible for in the uh, DVD conversion later, like we went back into the scenes because it was made in widescreen, but we needed to make the full screen cut. Mm-hmm. And there was this long extended frame where or drawing of Spider-Pig when Homer Simpson holds him out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Spider-Pig's uh, little curly tail turns into a penis mm-hmm. for that long-held frame. And it was really up to me because it had gone through color and ink and paint, you know, all of that. And, you know, it hadn't been seen on the widescreen. It was cut out. But now it was going to be there. And so I had to make the decision to keep it there mm-hmm. or to paint it out. What'd you do? I painted it out. I'm sorry. Oh, Ross. I didn't want it you to be. You are not the hero of this story. <laughs> I couldn't let it go under my watch. <laughs> so you asked what made us make a podcast. Oh, yes. 
Yeah. And we're talking about this pig is, penises. Did you want us to answer yes, your question? Yes, I do. So with, let's, br- let's bridge these two scenes. You meet each other. You have a podcast. What happened between those two <laughs> right. time periods? Now, well, we were both podcast listeners. Mm, I listened to quite a few. Mm, and I don't think I was. Okay. Well, there were some that we both listened I mean, to. Yeah, like point I, like of inquiry I had. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was a big point of inquiry fan. And so um, I, I think we had thought for a while that we might have something interesting, but like there's this just paralysis because there's so many shows out there already. Yeah, there's so much so content. So it's like, uh, who needs to add to that? There's so many good shows. Just needs so be- many podcasts in general or so many shows that were like what you thought you might want to do. Yeah, that were in that genre, you know, talking about um, cr- critical thinking and um, science. Unusual claims. Right. But I think it all started because um, who, it was you or I who wanted to go to the Kabbalah meeting. Oh, that's a that's a funny story, Ross. Oh, I, I love funny stories. I'm <laughs> well, eager to I, hear this. I got invited to an event at the Kabbalah Center on Facebook, and I said to Ross, um, "I'm going to go to this thing. It looks really fun. Do you want to go?" And Ross said, "I've been wanting to go to that. It's yes. just Ooh, it was wow. it was kismet. Is that to Yiddish? use a Kabbalic word? Is Kabbalic Yiddish?" It Isn't it Jewish be. mysticism? Am I being racist? Yeah, no, Kabbalah it's Jewish is Jewish mysticism. mysticism. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> they get to lay claim to Yiddish. So we went kismet. So we went to yeah, Kabbalah. And, and we we like put the we invitation to the out idea. to our you know group of friends. Like, uh-huh. hey, we're going to the Kabbalah Center. Who wants to come along? And people are like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. We don't no want to go really to the Kabbalah Center. So we went. Yeah. And it was great. We had a great time. And then we came back and told everybody about it. Right. And they all wanted to hear the story of us going to the Kabbalah Center, but they didn't want to go themselves. And we're like, no, wait a second. We've got something. And you first said it, but I had already been thinking it. See? Which is common. She said, you know what? We can make a show out of this. And I was like, you know what? I was thinking that too. (laughs) Most of our conversations are Ross sitting there and staring and then me channeling what he's thinking, saying it to him and him saying, I was just thinking that. (laughs) He's thinking right now that's true. What? What? <laughs> Witchcraft. It, it's an amazing thing to watch. It only involves a little bit of touching your forehead in a Professor X manner. <laughs> Transmit your thoughts. Why do you think some people are like, oh, I would like to go to this thing, but uh, maybe not. I'm going to stay home. Like, what's the difference between you and somebody who's like, oh, this sounds cool, but eh, I'd rather stay home and watch Breaking Bad. Sanity. Uh, hmm. <laughs> we have it or we don't. Uh, we do. <laughs> I don't know. I got to be careful now. Um, yeah, I, I think it's probably like mainly time commitment. Like, mm-hmm. you know, time is this zero something where like if you're doing X, then you can't do Y. And so I mm-hmm. think most people look at the calculus of that or simple arithmetic and, and say, you know, if I go to the Kabbalah Center, I can't stay home and watch TV show. Right, right, there's right. That. I think I think there's also... Um, People like us who feel fairly secure and don't, aren't looking for the, we aren't necessarily looking for the big answers, but because we, we feel fine. But, um, but other people who feel that way, they don't really want to, to investigate these things because they might then feel like they were being sanctimonious toward the believers. Right. And that's just not naturally who we are. We're sort of able to be like, this is a really interesting thing. And even if I don't agree with you, you're a, you're a fascinating person with a fascinating thing to say without that sort of um, sanctimony creeping in. Yeah, that's why I particularly like listening to your show because I don't like human beings. I don't like my fellow human <laughs> beings. I'm interested in them. But oftentimes they like annoy annoy me or bore me. And I feel like I would be really interested to say go to like a Kabbalah meeting. But I would feel like if when I got there, like A, I'd be bored. Like it would remind me of being in church and I want to go to sleep. Because a lot of these things you guys go to involve a lot of just sitting and listening mm-hmm. to nonsense for a very long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I couldn't deal with that. And then, like you said, the sanctimony, I think, would creep in and I would feel bad about feeling mm. like I'm better than these people. And that's fine. I mean, like, I would too. If I felt sanctimonious about them, then I would feel bad about my sanctimony. Yeah. So I think that's reasonable. But, but both it's of you just have not this... my natural inclination. Exactly. Both of you have this, like, natural... War, I guess maybe, what do you call this? Being nice human beings. <laughs> There's got to be a word for that. <laughs> like Ross, Ro- Ross, like when I hear you, which like you, it just in your voice, it, 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 I completely understand that you are the type of person who really genuinely like is interested and cares about people. And that's <laughs> kind of a rare quality that both of you seem to have. Well, thank oh, you. Thanks. I think we have a special wiring in that sense and that we are genuinely interested in what's going on. 
And yeah, I think most, most of these groups haven't experienced that before because it's just not very common. You don't have people who want to just drop in, um, not because they're particularly looking for something that's missing in their lives, but just because they want to see what this group is all about. Right. And I think we're open to the idea that they have something that we're lacking, that they right. have an answer that we don't have a question for, but we're not going in there like, I I have this gaping need that, that someone needs to fill and no one make a dick joke. <laughs> <laughs> no one's yeah. doing that. Yeah, actually, I, I'm, I, I'm interested in, in your thought process when you're going into an investigation, whether, and I guess you just answered my question, whether it is like we're there to figure something out or we're just here to absorb everything and report back. And it feels like there are a lot of like shows that if you look on like the science section of iTunes, a lot of it is like critical thinking type shows that are all about, here's a thing you believed and here's why you're wrong. Right. Uh, whereas you guys are more of like, here's some things that we observed, make of this what you will. Although, you know, at the end of the show, you do, you score things, rate things, on how much it rips you off, how creepy it is right. and so forth. But yeah, always with the understanding that we are a sample size of two and your mileage may vary. But if you go looking for, you know, an astrologer or a Reiki practitioner or whatever it may be, you're going to find something like what we found, or at least that's what we did. I guess that we do go there mostly to absorb it. We both find like human activity pretty fascinating. Whether we're going there to, to find an answer, yeah, I mean, like I said, I would say generally, no, if we're being honest with ourselves, we don't go because we're saying... I'm, I'm missing the meaning of life. Something is missing here and I need your help. And a lot of people are, so it would be disingenuous to pretend that's mm -hmm. not the case for us. But at the same time, I think that we would be doing a disservice to all these things if we weren't able to sit there and listen without reproach and say, well, they could be right and yeah. consider that. Yeah, totally. I mean, if any one of them that just struck me as particularly convincing, then I would turn into an, you know, whatever it may be. And then we'd turn our podcast into a, an advertisement for that. Sure. <laughs> right. It'd just be an hour of hypnotherapy ads. <laughs> sure. But both of you are pretty rational people. I don't think either of you would disagree, or maybe you would, that you are maybe biased against believing in the things that you go investigate. I think there are certain kind of ideas we have that are fairly uh, not set in stone, but um, would take a lot of evidence to overturn. Like, you know, we always set our pseudoscience scale by saying that something very scientific is evolution. A lot of people that we've interacted with do not believe in evolution for mm -hmm. a variety of reasons. A lot mm -hmm. of just the general American public doesn't believe yeah. in evolution. Yeah. And, you know, so we're kind of not so subtly stating each time like, hey, this is like really proven science. Yeah. So we go in with that. Of course, you know, if they say otherwise, well, then we're interested in knowing why. And if they made a really good case for it, well, then, you know, I could back off of that claim, but it would have to be a really good case. Yeah. Uh, and everyone has to make proximate assumptions. You know, if you walk out of your, your door every day and you don't fly into the sky, then you assume that's going to happen every day. Right. But if one day you do fly into the sky, then you have to accept that, that difference and change your mind accordingly right having flying in the, into the sky here being <laughs> <laughs> showing up somewhere and them telling you the secrets of god right beliefs have consequences so you can't simultaneously believe everything um you know a common example i'll have is you know if you believe that there was a baby wandering around in front of your door every day you'd be terrified to open any door you know yeah oh no it might be there i don't oh want the door's opening out yes. i was like why don't you want to let the baby in <laughs> <laughs> it's poor fucking baby that, no that was an important around. point yes the door is opening <laughs> out and so yeah you would be very slow to open the door so that's uh, a I don't know, take that analogy as you will. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you really do believe those things, they will affect how you act. And so I would say that we both have a very rational view of the world. It's kind of scientifically based, yeah. um, but are certainly open to hearing otherwise. Would you like to make an analogy now? Because we've got flying into the sky <laughs> and, and a baby smacking in front babies of a in the head. We're just going to throw all these metaphors into my food processor. We're going to come up with a nice little metaphor hummus. Metaphors. <laughs> which itself is going be to stand you. for something. Actually, a friend of mine created that metaphors be with you phrase. Oh, wow. Very proud of it. And he should be. Yeah. Wow. What Eric, else did he make? Any other cool memes? Eric Daniels. Um, no. Grumpy he, Cat? He works at Disney. <laughs> he oh. didn't make that. <laughs> Too bad. Did he create Benedict Cumberbatch? No, but he should have. <laughs> well, I, I don't know who's, who Benedict Cumberbatch's parents are. You where, know, where he's a listener to the show. I think no, that's a lie. No, I made that up. I think that's a lie. Well, he could be. It's because <sighs> everyone can be. <laughs> it's possible. Hashtag advertisement. Is this your new slogan? Everyone can be? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of we show up so you don't have to? 
Benedict Cumberbatch shows up to listen to the show. Hashtag slogan. Everyone can be. Everyone can be. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Everyone can be. Benedict Cumberbatch listens to our show. Everyone can be. <laughs> Great. This is starting to sound like a Stephen Colbert. Right, exactly. Book I'm America. Really <laughs> and so can you. Okay. What's so his second book called? It's called something, something else. Something similar. Funny, we don't need remember. to market Stephen Colbert's books. Okay. He has a whole TV show to do that. Okay. But let's talk about He's this. Fun. I want to go back to this because I find this this fascinating about you could sort of what you expect listeners to get out of the show mm-hmm. when they're listening. Because like I said, your slogan is we show up so you don't have to, meaning I guess that you guys think that anyone who listens to, let's say, your show about ear candling, they don't need to go out and try it, right? They can just take your word for Hypothetically. it. Hypothetically. You want to be everyone's uh, cult leaders? <laughs> we want to take away the human experience as much as possible. Now, now, by saying, so you don't have to, we're also saying, you know, but if you want to. Right. You can. So you don't have to. You still can. Be- dot, dot, dot. Everyone can. Because otherwise they would have to if we weren't doing it. Right. So this is your option. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, well, it actually leads to another question I had. So uh, so you guys come in with your own, your human beings, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. As far as we know. I'm going to mm-hmm. throw you in a lake later and see if you float, <laughs> just to make sure. But I'm pretty sure right now you're human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you come into these things with your own you know, biases, your own beliefs, your own philosophies that are the culmination of all of your life experiences. Whereas the people that you investigate... Let's say Mormons for now. I want to get more into your Mormon episode later on. Mm. Um, but just just take them as an example. For now, uh, someone who is, let's say, like a 35-year-old Mormon has been all their life. So you. Mm-hmm. Like me. Mm-hmm. You know I'm Mormon because I'm super nice. I tend toward blonde. And my family all plays musical instruments. That what? sounds pretty Mormon. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Do you ever get any reactions from the people who actually believe the mm. things that you investigate mm-hmm. that are like, look, you guys went and you experienced this for just a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I have this whole life experience that's led up to where I am now. So maybe you guys maybe should check your <laughs> check yourself before you something yourself. What? I don't remember the rest of that Re- phrase. Wreck yourself. <laughs> That's a really good example because we get a lot of feedback from the Mormon community still. We do, yeah. A lot of, I would say we get more feedback from ex-Mormons than current Mormons. Mm-hmm. Um, but some from current but Mormons. But some from current Mormons. And uh, thank goodness, I mean, most of the feedback has been positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and mostly from them, I would say that they say something like, it's just interesting to hear an outsider's perspective on this. It didn't sway me either way, but it was just interesting to hear someone go through the classes and what you guys thought of them. The ex-Mormons often feel sort of vindicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah, they're rather sophisticated about it. You know, if they disagree with some of the things they said, at least they take it in the sense like, oh, this is how we look to an outsider. We should really be careful about that. And then when they do agree with us, they say, yeah, we, we really kind of make mistakes in how we present ourselves sometimes. Although, I mean, that makes it sound like our episode was mostly negative, which it's not. We no. talk a lot about really great... Um, Things about the Mormon church. They're very, very devoted to service. They're very kind people, like almost cartoonishly kind. It's just (laughs) unbelievable. Um, uh, It was a great group to hang out with. I remember once I found a Mormon um, who who was an ex-Mormon, rather, and he had been in the church for many years and and I think harbored some very negative uh, responses toward them. And he was super critical of the episodes because there were certain things we hadn't mentioned. He said, oh, well, you didn't talk about this and you don't know about this. And I said, well, that we never experienced any of that. We were talking about mm-hmm. what we experienced. So, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have the same, you know, 28 years in the Mormon church that right. you did. So, yeah, we don't know about that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I, I think he was just kind of judging us by a different standard of someone who knows all this stuff. And what we're doing is exactly what we say we're doing, you know, going in and showing you what you hear if you're starting out fresh have you ever gotten any feedback where you're like oh snap we did we should have done this thing or we Mm -hmm. we forgot to to mention this thing 
Yep. I'm nodding my head yes. Yeah, I'm nodding and trying to think of what those things have been. Because a lot of times we'll get these emails maybe like a year after the episode. Right. And by that time, we've come to that conclusion too, that we had, that we've maybe moved past what we were doing at the time. Right. Since we joined Maximum Fun, we get a lot of people who go back and listen to our whole catalog. And so they, you know, listen to the first episode and say, you know, hey, you guys are having audio issues. <laughs> like, like, yeah. We sure were. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, keep listening. We, we figured that out, kind of. Um, and uh, we, we got some really good feedback from one woman who was pointing out, you know, some of the issues that we'd really wrestled over, like when we went to the sick church. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you, no, we, is it, you, say, you say sick. Mm-hmm. I, it's been a long time since I listened to that episode, but I, you always hear seek. In the episode, we say seek because, yeah, that's what most people think. And since the episode, I learned that the preferred pronunciation is sick. Is He's sick. right. So sick people. Sex mm-hmm. would be really confusing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I know. Yeah, you'd think they would prefer seek. Uh, and so we'd only visited there once. We didn't understand the language. And so people kind of came back to us saying, oh, you sort of gave them a free pass. And it felt like you were just, you know, visiting and saying, oh, these cute people with their you know, fun, yeah. um, you mm-hmm. know, celebration and free food uh, without really giving them, you know, full shrift. And, well, you know, that's legitimate. We should have mm-hmm. spent more time and dug deeper. And that person also pointed out that that's especially a touchy issue when you're talking about a religion that's, um, that's not traditionally Western um, and they're already dealing with so much sort of cultural voyeurism Mm -hmm. that you want to be really careful about that and i think we would handle it completely differently now but Mm -hmm. that was also three years ago so sure we're learning so how much research do you do into a subject outside of what you've actually experienced because like like you say with the the sikhs or the sick people Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) you know if you your your first impression may be very positive but then if you go on your wikipedia maybe there's there's millions and millions and millions of words about all the horrible things that they've done. I'm not saying that that's the case. Sure. Right. Six. Don't come at me with your secret knives. Scientology, for example. Look, mm-hmm. before anyone asks, I'm going to get to some questions from your listeners later on. <laughs> and, and 90% of them are, when will you cover Scientology? Exactly. I'm not going <laughs> to ask it. Uh, the, you've talked about this numerous times. Of course, everyone wants you to become Scientologists right. and have John Travolta on the show and maybe get a nice... a nice. <laughs> we uh, want that too. Erotic yeah. massage Yeah, from someone him. just send us a good quarter of a million dollars and we are set for that. <laughs> Scientology, uh, I think famously, can put on a very happy first impression for yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And maybe you wouldn't know all the horrible things if maybe you just spent a week going to some Dianetics courses or whatever. Yeah. And both of us have had a fair amount of experience with Scientology already. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to you know not in this right. town. And I've gone to a few of their events, some of their dramatic readings. I, I think my main concern is that at some point we'll get well known enough that someone within Scientology would know what we're, what we do for our show <laughs> mm-hmm. and then kind of put little bulletins up like, Hey, watch out for these people. Right. right. And then be- the, I mean, not that that would be scary, but the experience wouldn't be that authentic. Yeah, exactly. Experience that we try to get. It, it would take all the fun out of sure. it. Sure. And you know this because a lot of people have read the books and the articles and stuff about how vindictive they can be. So uh, that speaks to my point of like how much, outside research mm-hmm. do you feel you need to do in these things to sort of uh, pepper your personal experience? Yeah. Well, I think, Brian, is it? I think it you'll really like our episode coming up in, well, I guess when people get this, the first one will be out already. Yeah. yeah. It's coming out in March. Yeah. So March 1st, um, there will be uh, an episode that comes out and then a follow-up later that month about an investigation we're doing right now that involves a lot of outside research for exactly that reason. And it's um, it's that they're they're not being upfront about everything in a, in a very serious way. Yeah. Uh, and in order to track that down, we had to do a lot of research so we can cover that. But our our main goal is always to talk about our personal experience, and that's always the bulk of the show. And we try to start with the information that any average person might look up. So if they hear about, to use your example of Scientology, if they hear about a Scientology class. They might go and look at the Wikipedia for Scientology for a few minutes, but they're probably not going to go look up all the court documents Mm -hmm. about people who have sued Scientology. So we won't do that sort of deep research intentionally. Carrie's saying that because she's read a lot of court documents (laughs) related to our most recent The one that's coming up did require that. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's hard to go in with a a blank slate because a lot of these subjects we already have a, a fair amount of knowledge about. Mm-hmm. And um, usually we learn a lot of new things just by going there and investigating firsthand. But yeah, we'll try not to overload ourselves with, you know, 
counter arguments or you know uh, exposés. We just want to go in and see what they have to say. So let's talk about that Mormon episode. Like I said, it, it's I think actually it, two episodes, but it's okay if you haven't listened to them. But they're really good. So well, I mean, it's a two-parter, so you could say like Lord of the Rings is like one book technically. No. It is. It's like the Trinity, Gary. J.R.R. <laughs> in one. Tolkien. Look, let's Never just... Never mind. I like Ross's analogy. <laughs> this is very important. Okay. okay. John Ronald Rule Tolkien. Oh, God. Intended for oh, The Lord God. of the Rings to be published as one volume. And uh-huh. the publisher, was like, n- publisher said, nobody's going to buy this giant book about hobbits and wizards. You need to split this yeah, up. Yeah, okay, fine. But we are J.R.R. Tolkien in this analogy, and we what wanted it to be two episodes. Okay? I'm saying is, you're right, and I'm wrong, <laughs> and I apologize. <laughs> I think Gary's happy with that. <laughs> Let's <Great>. move on. <laughs> Your Mormon episode, I think, uh, definitely strikes a chord with people. Like when I talk to people about the show, which I do all the time, mm-hmm. uh, everybody's favorite Thank thing is the Mormon you. thing, and and oh, I think good. it's, I think it's easy to see why that is. It's an episode that the investigation took a particularly long time and a level yeah. of commitment that I think is indicative of what you guys do that maybe sets you apart from other people. Mm. There aren't a lot of people that are be willing to, like you said, uh, time is a zero sum game mm-hmm. and there aren't a lot of people who would be willing to put in the hours that you guys did going to all the meetings and getting to know all these people. I think that that's one element of it. I think that also when I listen to those two episodes (laughs) that uh what i was saying earlier about your guys's uh natural ability to just be warm and welcoming to people it's very humane in a way that that i mean even though everyone knows you know in the back of your mind you know that everybody comes into a situation with their own personal biases you both sound like even though you had your personal biases that you're as open-minded as humans could possibly be Hmm. I think that it's just it's an episode that that speaks to all the strengths of the show and it's also super entertaining because it's one of those things where everybody sort of has a little bit of information about Mormons right. uh, uh, Mormons aside they have a lot but I mean non-Mormons they know a little bit here and there but they don't know everything and they definitely know what, don't know what the experience is and so it's mm. something that you know you get a lot out of it. I really like, what I'm saying is I really like those two episodes <laughs> of the show. Thank you so much. So that's why I want to use that uh, those episodes sorry, as an example for everything that you do. Just speaking about the Mormon episode in particular, what did you guys expect when you went in to become Mormons? What did you think it was going to be like? You mean when we went to that very first class? Sure. And like, how did you feel like it would play out, you know, when the final episode came out? Mm. Mm. Well, I remember going the first time and saying to you, Ross, after we left, um, oh, I think we should do the whole thing. And you said, me too. So we obviously hadn't talked before yeah. that about actually becoming Mormons. Yeah. You mean the whole thing as as like going to meetings as opposed to becoming baptized into the religion? Right. And No, wait, the other way. What? <laughs> we, we didn't go into it expecting to be baptized. Right. right. And then after that first meeting, we did. And yeah, I don't think we had an end game in all of this. I think it was just, you know, we'll just see what happens. And, you know, I really wish I could go back and ask myself at the time, you know, what well, what are you thinking will come out of this? Uh, but just to be honest about our, our pre-existing bias, I do remember also in that car ride coming back in your truck, Ross, and I tried to fool you. I said, uh, you know, I think what they said makes a lot of sense. And you looked at me <laughs> and then you said, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, tipping my cards there, yeah. Um, I certainly had a fair amount of foreknowledge about Mormons. There there are Mormon members of my family, Mm -hmm. Um, my cousin was. And, you know, I had some misconceptions. Like, um, I thought they didn't know much about the Bible because I remember quizzing my cousin. Turns out he just didn't know that much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I remember, like, saying something about Adam and Eve, and he's like, who's that? Oh, wow. What? What? They lived in Jackson County, Missouri. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Don't know that. Um, <laughs> Had you seen that South Park episode, the famous South Park yes. episode that's mm-hmm. all about we'd mm-hmm. seen the, South the Park weirder episode. things about Mormon mythology? I certainly learned a ton more about Mormonism oh, yeah. than I ever did before when we did the investigation. Uh, to your earlier point and your very nice statements about our you know, interactions with the Mormons, I think a lot of credit for why those episodes in particular stand out is um, due to 
them as people, like as a group. I think the Mormons are really responsible because they kind of met our enthusiasm and our engagement and they matched it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think with a lot of the other groups that we've interacted with, you know, they have their program, but you don't feel this connection like if you really left, you'd be missed. Mm-hmm. And I think with the the Mormons, we really felt like, you know, they were pulling us in. They wanted us to be part of the community and they would be sad if we weren't there. They would notice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I just realized that in your last question, I, I intentionally cloaked what it is we're investigating, even though I know this episode is coming out after it's released. <laughs> so I guess I can talk about it as long as you don't tell people, you, Brian. Uh, well, I was going to release a 50-minute preview of this uh, mm. tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> Just uh, just the uh, uh, just the raw audio, just for everybody who wants a sneak peek at what's Put coming it on the up. internet. Well, then never mind. Forget no. Go it. ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah. So we investigated the Tony Alamo Ministries, which is this. Uh, I mean, there's no better word for it than cult in this case. It is, it is a cult. A textbook cult. And they uh, are are very suspicious of us, and our enthusiasm is not matched. It's completely the opposite situation of the Mormons. Depending on who you talk to, there. But yeah, you're right. You're right. There is a strong undercurrent of suspicion and people staring at us from the edges of the building when we're there, and it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. So um, the Mormons, yeah, were really good about just seeing people who are interested in learning, seeing people who are friendly, and just taking that at face value and being friends with us. And I don't think they were ashamed of anything they had to offer. I don't think mm-hmm. that they were worried about how we'd take it. They were yeah. just like, here's what we believe. Do with it what you will. Yeah, I, it's always interesting to see kind of how the, like it manifests in their actions, like how they view themselves from the outside. Because I think a lot of the groups that we look at have kind of a vision of themselves as outsiders see them. Mm-hmm. And and that kind of reflects on how they meet new people because they've got to anticipate, you know, the possible reactions that people will have. And yeah, I think a lot of the other groups that we uh, find ourselves with are more self-conscious because they understand that there's a negative stigma. But it seems with the Mormons, yeah, they, they had nothing to hide. They weren't worried about it. You know, hey, this is what we mm-hmm. believe. Generally speaking, when you investigate these people who have the fringest of fringe beliefs, how close to reality do you think that their view of what outsiders think of them is? Mm. French beliefs? French beliefs. These people who believe in baguettes, (laughs) in eating snails, in other stereotypes. Stripey shirts. Stripey shirts. Stripey shirts. Um, so it obviously varies a lot. There's no standard response here, but, um, I think that the, uh, Tony Alamo ministries have a pretty much spot on impression of what the outside world thinks of them. I think they know like, okay, people think that our leader is a pedophile. They, they think that the outside world believes that wrongly, right? but they they know that. I think many of them sincerely believe that the world is incorrect about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just very quickly for for people who haven't maybe listened to that episode yet. First Mm -hmm. of all, go listen to it. Lazy bones. Number two, (laughs) uh, this guy is, he's in jail for Mm -hmm. child molestation. For 175 years. Yeah. For marrying girls between nine and 12. Mm -hmm. And he's the, the leader of this religious movement. Yes. And, uh, uh, not to uh, dig too far into an unimportant point, but it's actually child rape, not child molestation. So the, the charges are very, very serious. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, and uh, having read through those court documents myself, I would fall on the side of the courts. Um, yeah, so I think that those people definitely know that anyone on the outside is probably thinking their leader is in prison, uh, rightly so. Um, the Mormons definitely know that they have a of sort of a bad rap in the rest of the world because they mentioned that to us a couple times. Right. And I had uh, a cousin actually contacted me a while back and he's, you know, in the Mormon church and actually works for them. And he was saying, you know, well, why is it that Christians and uh, secularists can kind of gang up on Mormons, like mm. find common ground? And my response was that, you know, well, probably for the same reason that you and I could kind of talk about Scientology and say, mm-hmm. oh, the science fiction author, you know, he yeah. came up with something with DC-10s or DC-8s. What was it? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. L. Ron Hubbard believed that, that spaceships looked exactly like 
uh, DC some sort of airplane. I think it was, yeah. And uh, in you know, this was seventy million years ago with a galactic overlord, you know, right. named Zenu. You know, you think, all right, it's a science fiction writer. And mm-hmm. it's also like um, like Scientology, Mormonism. It's a little bit older, but not that much older. Right. It's, it's young enough that we we know a lot about right. exactly the, how Ross it has was a formed. has a great. Um, phrase for this which is the veil of time right Mm. um the veil of time separates us from the origins of catholicism or judaism it doesn't separate us so well from the origins of of uh well even mormonism but especially scientology right so yeah the thinner that is then uh the more human the founders seem it's always fascinating to me that that process that happens when the person who starts this first tells someone else you know because you're you're just you know kind of singing your own tune until somebody comes along and, and believes you for the first time and then someone else believes you and then you get that to that certain uh, mass of accretion where you can get a following. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I'm fascinated by that process and I would love to see it in action because I always, my mind goes there. I just wonder, how did this actually get started? What said what to whom? And the other Well, way- look, there's only one way to find out. You got to start a cult. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to say that also the truther movement, they definitely know that like the rest of the world thinks they're cuckoo and they'll, They'll bring it up by mocking others, mocking version of them. Yeah. So they'll say like, oh, out there you'll hear like, oh, they're so scared that the government planned 9-11. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> and then you Sheeple. have to sort of parse the, the four levels of what they're saying down we're gonna, to what we're they're gonna trying to We're going to take back the word nut. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they are smart. We cannot uh, ever yep. accuse them of being unintelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I I have a personal theory about that because I definitely went through a, like a conspiracy believing phase, mm-hmm. you know, basically like whatever you, the, the X Files hinged upon, uh-huh. like and and all these other things about how there's some like massive conspiracy that's been going on forever. I definitely bought into all that stuff, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's um oh somebody oh and I wish I remember who it was, someone who's very funny and talented. Okay, uh, and well, she- anyone in this room or no? Okay. <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody described um, the show Downton Abbey one time as smart exploitation, where <laughs> it's a show that appeals to smart people because of all these sort of superficial elements, uh. um, but it's actually just just as trashy as like uh, the trashiest soap opera <laughs> as like the Real Housewives of Orange County. Oh, funny! I think I feel like a lot of these conspiracy things are are smart exploitation, where it's like. Hey, here's um, a puzzle to figure out. Exactly. And and here's the thing that on the surface makes sense and has that appeal to uh, smarty pantses like myself. Right. And other people don't get it and you get to explain it to them. And you can feel mm-hmm. good about yourself because you're smarter than everyone and else. And everyone in it has very high collars. <laughs> Downton Abbey. Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. The 9-11 truthers. I haven't watched they it. Wear, it's they like all a wear bibs. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, like, you know, they have to have a uniform so you can recognize them in public mm. other than them being guys who are mostly balding but still somehow have ponytails. Well, you and I, Brian, before we started recording, we were talking about Behold a Pale Horse, which is just chock full of all these, you know. Yeah, a cons- classic conspiracy, conspiracy tome. Days. And I was very tempted by those. Very, uh, you know, I read that in the Montauk Project, you know, when I was back in uh, middle oh, school. Man. You and I got to talk about the Montauk oh, project yeah. <laughs> after this because that, that is my favorite conspiracy thing of oh, really? all time. Okay. It's so tough with conspiracy theories too because undoubtedly conspiracies exist. Yes. They exist. There's, sure. I mean, all you need for that is a few people to keep a secret, right? So I can't blame anybody who's tempted to believe a lot of conspiracies. And it's a few people can keep a, a secret there. for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, look at the Edward Snowden leaks. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. this this guy uh, got all this information, linked it to the public, and it turns out our government has been doing horrible things. But I guess, you know, at the end of the day, it did come to light. Right. Eventually. And when right. the evidence came out, it was like, boom, there, there's the evidence. You don't have to pick through this and figure out what happened. And, oh, it's not the obvious solution, but it's this other hidden yeah. thing. It's very yeah. clear. Whereas, like, the evidence for 9-11 being an inside job is not... Not so clear cut. You really have to do some digging to sure. to come to that conclusion. Right. And then there's always explanations for why that's not the case. You mm-hmm. know that it uh, didn't become an official story because it's in someone's interest. But that's when you get into the conspiracy theory. Sure, and it's always Careful. within the realm of possibility that there are secret things that we haven't learned about yet, right. or that could have been successfully covered up for even longer than all the NSA spying. Right, right. and th- those aren't supernatural claims. Sure. You know? 
that, right. you know, there's a different classification there where, you know, something like Bigfoot isn't a supernatural claim unless you're right. talking about like a supernatural Bigfoot. Some people do. But, you know, it that there is a primate that has somehow uh, been extant in North America all these years and hasn't been detected. Oh, that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have to look at, you know, other pieces of evidence. So, yeah, for the conspiracy theory claims, yeah, that's not too bad. It could be, you yeah. know. And so... Um, and, and that's a hard one, too, because we went in there and they've got tons of evidence. There, there's no shortage of evidence and analysis. And that's really hard to navigate through when you don't know as much as these people, which you're bound not to know. Um, so the arguments sound very convincing. Sure. Now, you say evidence. Uh, I, I think a lot of people equate the words evidence and proof. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Right. So you might need... Let's separate those. Yeah. So, yeah, you can have evidence... Um, that points to a number of different theories, uh, and the theory would be the explanatory, um, you know, level beyond those um, pieces of evidence. Sure. So evidence is information. Proof is information that is actually correct. Right. Yeah. That's uh, you know past those certain uh, vettings, and then yeah, fact I guess would be even kind of a level more basic right. uh, below evidence. Now, what's a podcast? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, let's talk about the origins <laughs> of all these words. Which investigation was the most surprising in the in the investigation process compared to what you expected it to be when you started doing it? I'm going to try to send my answer telepathically to Ross and see if he can okay. guess it. You got to put two fingers to your temple. Okay. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Both temples? Yeah, I'm not getting anything yet. Oh, there it is. She's thinking of hypnotherapy. That was it. What? What? Amazing. Yeah, that's one where I was expecting it to be a lot of pseudoscience about how the brain operates, which we did get, but I also didn't think it would be effective. I didn't think hypnotherapy would be like a good way to do anything. Right. And I think we both kind of came away thinking, oh, you know what? Actually, for a lot of people... This could be helpful, maybe not for the reasons they're stating, but because it's giving you a way of constantly reminding yourself, being accountable. I think accountability is a huge motivator for getting anything done. So for those kind of health, uh, self-help aspects of hypnotherapy, uh, I think we both came away thinking it could be actually something we'd recommend to people. Yeah, and I also think that hypnotherapy is really unique in that um, – Usually when you're talking about uh, a claim like hypnotherapy where it's sort of health care, it's sort of psychological care, usually the counter explanation will be the placebo effect, right? But with hypnotherapy, the placebo effect is kind of all they're claiming. They're saying, we will suggest something to you and therefore it will be true. That's exactly how you would define the placebo effect. So that they give it this fancy name hypnotherapy is kind of neither here nor there it just it works for people because they believe it works and great and as as long as you know you're not paying through the arm right and like, wait, i didn't use that metaphor correctly if you're not <laughs> paying I through the nose pictured heroin when yeah. you said that oh okay um, <laughs> if you're not paying too much for it you know if if it's equivalent to another effective way of achieving that goal well then yeah all the better uh disclaimer though don't get hypnotherapy for something like cancer Yeah, right, exactly. Um, And another one I think that pleasantly surprised me for sure was speed reading, uh, where I went in just thinking it would be, you know, like, oh, we're going to work towards reading an entire page at a time. Um, So that's kind of what I was expecting, but I was hoping it might be more useful. And I think I came away with a lot of really good tools that helped me to read more efficiently. Yeah, I I listened to your speed reading episode, and it struck me how... how, how funny it is to me that speed reading, like when you go to a class, it's just... Just it's all about just reading faster. <laughs> like, right. Like, just, yeah. Hey, Read try more. reading faster. <laughs> right. like, just make your eyes move quicker. Uh-huh. There you go. Right. Yeah. It's mostly kind of six hours of someone telling you, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But, you know, within that, I think there were some good strategies. And I haven't followed all that advice to its you know full extent. I mm-hmm. have more practice to do there. But even with the things that I took away from it, it made it so far, it's made me a much more effective reader. Yeah. I think it's just got like very limited utility. If you read for pleasure a lot mm-hmm. and, and you really appreciate certain good writers and you really want to pay them their due, you're not going to end up speed reading their books. But yep. if maybe you're a student and you have to read 200 pages a night, that could be definitely very useful. Mm-hmm. So there are hundreds of thousands of 
religions and schools of thought and uh, philosophical movements and uh, products that make strange claims and all these things that you guys investigate. So what do you think makes a topic interesting enough for you guys to look into? I mean, I really think most of the time it comes down to whether we get excited about it. We look at our list. We have a, a master list of a lot of topics. Yeah. I don't even want to guess how many. Is this in a safe and deposit box? <laughs> <laughs> yes, also known as Google Drive. Hey, Google Doc, yeah. <laughs> um, and we look at that, and then if we get excited about one, we just do it, as long as it's not too similar to a recent investigation. A lot of it is just availability um, mm-hmm. bias, I guess. You know, if, if hey, there's a class. It's happening. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um you know, if something just comes on our radar and it happens to be happening in our area, then, oh, sure, let's do that. We do have a lot of discussions about whether something really fits our criteria. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember once I was telling someone about the show, and he was getting really excited, and he said, oh, I, I've got a connection for you. I can get you into a furry convention. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, awesome. And I was like all excited, like crazy. I want to see what like a furry convention does. And I thought about it. I was like, wait. There's no real extraordinary claim there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're not breaking the laws of physics. They're not, su- right. you know, uh, suggesting that we reorder our thinking about the universe or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I. Yeah, we actually talked realized. about, I mean, and, and this isn't <laughs> us being snarky. Like we actually talked about like, is it an extraordinary claim to say like someone wearing a costume is sexy? <laughs> <laughs> is that unusual enough that we could just say that? Maybe we could just. Because we kind of wanted to do that. <laughs> that would be a fun episode. That's for Ono, Ross, and Carrie after dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe that should be the spinoff. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes things just really don't match the criteria there, and we rule them out on, on that basis. Yeah. But, yeah, there's no shortage of material. And we often find ourselves uh, trying to do too many things at once, I mm-hmm. think. Like, right now, we probably have about four investigations mm-hmm. that are kind of in various states. And like we've started a couple that we just sort of abandoned and said, you know what, we'll come back to that mm-hmm. at some point when, when the mood is right. Mm-hmm. Here are some questions straight from the source. The source being your listeners. Dun, dun, dun. Here's one from a listener by the name of Heather Lee. Hi, Heather. Hello, Heather Lee. Which investigation was the hardest to complete and okay. which was the most enjoyable? Hmm. Ooh, hardest to oh well the hardest to complete has to be this one don't you think oh yeah the tony alamo ministries yeah or or this ooh. interview with brian <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to be here um no, no you know what though i would say the hardest to complete are the ones we haven't completed oh well touche <laughs> which we can't talk about sorry heatherly well what but, do you mean by hardest when you talk about tony alamo what made that so difficult it's just hard to go back. Like it's it's really hard to think of these people who are being very manipulated, who have given their whole lives and all their money to the system, have nothing to go to. If they did get out, where the hell would they go? It's it's it is emotionally draining every time we go. Oh, I would put um, Ordo Temple. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. On that's that the other one for me. Yeah, because you know we. <laughs> our cardinal mistake which we keep making is like releasing an episode and then like oh let's just keep going back and doing part two and in this case they heard part one and yeah uh, booted us out that was very awkward and and also that was just even before part one was out i was like i don't want to go back ross i don't want to go back i don't want to go back because they're just of all the people we've hung out with for me they were the most insufferable <laughs> they were just why so- more than the 9-11 truthers uh, well, those were my two least favorites, and for some of the same reasons, hmm. that they were so uh, holier than thou, they were so condescending, and um, and I've, I think I've mentioned this to you before, Ross, like, the people who annoy you the worst are the people who, like, reflect some part of what I think is the worst part of me, hmm. so I think oh, right. yeah, someone who, like, that. thinks you're so smart, that you're condescending, I'm like, Fuck that guy. I'm trying so hard not to be you, and you're just walking around doing it? What's wrong with you? That reminds me of our reflexologist, too, who really got under your skin with the you need to love yourself. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I liked the OTO people a little better than you did. Um, <laughs> Good job. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that one was hard to finish. And we do have um, investigations that we have begun, and we just kind of dropped them because something else sort of quickly jumped on our plate. Um, there's like another religious group that I, I went to quite a bit and you went to a few times. Um, 
I went to at least like four or five services of, and we've just kind of put that by the wayside and we'll come back to it. So Carrie hates OTO because uh, in the words of Jewel, they're pieces of you. Uh, (laughs) Which did you guys find the most enjoyable to complete? Mormons. Yeah. Still my favorite. Yeah. Came away really respecting the Mormons just as people. Yeah, um, Ross still goes and plays circle ball with them. I haven't in a long time. What well, is circle they, ball? They it's like kickball in a circle. The, Imagine. Is that like dodgeball? No, it, it's very much like dodgeball. That would be the closest. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, correlate. I meant, I meant But you're in a, in a like the basketball court at their church. Like when you hit the little uh, little dividing wall, the one of those kind of accordion walls, you're hitting like the backside of the sanctuary. Okay. And um, so it's interesting. They've got this full court in their church building. And you are all like, you've got those red rubber balls that you used to play dodgeball with in grade school. And you're just chucking them at each other as hard as you can and running away, you know, various parts of this basketball court. And it's this elimination thing where if you get hit, you're out and you sit on the sideline until you all get back in. And then various rules overlay on top of that. And uh, it's it's a huge workout and ridiculously fun. It's worth mentioning that during your your training to become a Mormon, they tell you that when you want to have sex outside of marriage or you want to masturbate, instead play sports. So, wow, a lot have, of pent up energy. We have young men under twenty standing in a circle, throwing balls at each other, knowing that all their sexual energy has to be gotten out right now. So it's an aggressive sport. Now, she may be reading into that a bit, but I <laughs> will say they've got their, um, you know, very uh, fine young men, sure. their athletic abilities. What so are their erections like old, uh, <laughs> when they're playing circle ball? <laughs> I have not noticed, I will say, for all the dozens I have okay. uh, of uh, youths I have interacted with. Uh, but yeah, you know, 31-year-old me there uh, trying to keep up with them is a good workout. Well, what does someone like me do when they're a professional competitive masturbator? I was just in Sochi. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I came in third. Got the bronze. <laughs> That's impressive. I bet there are certain materials you can't masturbate to in Russia. That's true. It really stifled my game, to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, right. And most of the things that I normally Quite go the to, handicap. they were blocked, IP blocked even. Um, look, here's the deal. I'm going to go to question number two from your listener. Okay. Travis Peterson asks. Hey, Travis, Travis Peterson. Peterson. Which investigation made you feel the most unsafe? Well. Tony Alamo? Yeah. Why is that? Um, well, we had to take this bus out to their <laughs> compound, their church. I'm using air quotes, their church. Mm-hmm. Um, from Hollywood and Highland, which is down here where we live. All the way up to Canyon Country, which is a good 45-minute drive. And as you're getting into, it's a van. As you're getting yes. into this van, um, <laughs> they are checking you for weapons and drug paraphernalia because you know at some point that has been an issue. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like anytime you have to get in someone's van, uh-huh. it's a red flag. Yeah. Well, I mean, we took precautions. I, I mean, we didn't. we didn't think we were unsafe or we wouldn't have done it if we really thought it was genuinely dangerous but it was enough at that that point though we'd already you know read the fbi reports on you know like tony alamo's enforcer who would beat dissidents with a two by six Mm -hmm. so so we did want to be careful so we we took a picture of like the license plate of the thing and we sent it to our friend brian thompson and we sent it to our (laughs) other friend spencer Spencer marks Marks. hi spencer (laughs) who is a former law enforcement himself Mm-hmm. Uh, a former enforcement. <laughs> I like <laughs> he was, that. He was police. Formation. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we made sure people knew where we were at all times so that if we had to send up the bat signal, they knew exactly where we were. But Except uh, as we were it. getting the, the first time, I could see my cell phone bars like dropping as we were approaching the <laughs> yeah. church because it was a 40-minute drive out into <laughs> this area. So that's a, it's a countdown to your death. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, it's like a horror film. But I've also felt really worried for you guys during your detox episode, oh, yeah. especially Carrie, because you you like yeah, almost we went together. to the hospital. It's or true. Something. We do a lot yeah. of like diet based uh, investigations where we have to try unusual you know food intake and that kind of stuff. Is there anything you guys any of those like product type things like pills or whatever that you felt like oh maybe this is going to not end up in well? Yeah. Well, I had to stop that one. Now that you mention it, which I kind of put out of my memory. That one I did have to stop. I think I had intended to do it for 10 days and I got to like four because you were supposed to take, you're supposed to not eat, drink lemon juice and cayenne and water 
and maple syrup. <laughs> and then all you could eat is cayenne pepper. <laughs> and so, uh, and then on top of that, it was preferred that you took laxatives. And of course, we go all the way as often as we can. So it's like, sure. <laughs> but there was nothing for me to evacuate. So my body was just, uh. yeah, just crumbling, trying to deal with those, those laxatives. And then finally, I was in such crippling pain that I started looking up the effects of using laxatives when you don't need them and they were pretty ugly and i just Man. just stopped do you think your listeners know more about your bowels than the listeners of any other podcast <laughs> yes. know about the hosts Ooh, real quick you have a computer look up if there's like a boop podcast I don't want to brag, but yes, I do have a computer. Uh, <laughs> as there's a poop podcast. Yeah, poop. Oh, I could. Well, I could. you're looking for a, a poop podcast. <laughs> a, for, a poop cast. For anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, I was not taking the master cleanse because my alternative was to have water shoved up my rectum mm-hmm. um, using uh, colon hydrotherapy. Um, and there was a lot of discussion about my poop. Not just water, though. That makes someone think of a bidet. You mm-hmm. had like a, a... A beautiful, relaxing bidet. <laughs> well, and also, <laughs> yeah, like... Someone put a, a tube probiotic. in your anus. Yeah, right, right. A tube installed in my anus, which I got to install myself, which I guess I'm glad for. And uh, While I was standing Oh, that was so incredibly you. uncomfortable. I'd never put anything up my bottom, I, I, I can honestly say. And uh, incredibly awkward. And yeah, and then probiotics later, they pushed up there. Yeah. Well, they said it was probiotics it could have been shock we wouldn't have known yeah who knows it could have been anything it could have been anything oh boy ross is pregnant (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we uh we we've taken pills i've taken pills where i'm not really sure what's in them like those um ejaculation oh yeah increasing pills that you you wanted me to take just because you like the name (laughs) ejaculate yeah all right, so let's next question here from Alex Murdoch. Hi, Alex. I wonder if Alex is a lady or a gentleman. Hey, Alex Murdoch. Who can say? Mm, probably Alex. Okay, uh-huh. Have you ever made yourself uncomfortable with your creepiness scale examples? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, Gary, have you? No? Nope. So, what's your favorite one? I think she often forgets what she has said, and then I, when yeah. she hears it later, she's like, "Oh, well, I said that <laughs> yeah, about I your never sisters." <laughs> <laughs> I never remember. People will send us emails where they where they make these very um, clever inside jokes that I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And then Ross has to explain to me, like, "You said that. You said that last week." It you sounds like if they're joke. referencing some of those things, they might sound very threatening. On an almost psychopathic level, if they're like, uh, uh, oh. remember your sisters <laughs> and all the goat sperm. Uh. Oh, but right. if any of our donors feel that way, we are very thankful for your donation. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, just send all your creep emails to Ross. It's fine. Keep sending them creep tweets. <laughs> Here's a question from Brandon Boone. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Brandon Boone. Why haven't you investigated ghost-related claims? It's on our list. Yeah. You know, we uh, had signed up for an event with a ghost group and then we're not Mm. able to get in. Mm -hmm. That's another example. We have all these things that are kind of non-starters or we only do one thing and think, oh, we need to do more later. So we have all these kind of investigations that are only partway. So we want to do ghost things. Is it because you're too scared of a haunted house, too spooky for you? Oh, God. I would love to do ghost stuff. You know what's funny, though? Well, maybe not funny, but you know what's a challenge in that is that so many people are into ghosts but don't really believe in them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's their thing. They're they like kind the of, culture around it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a, the grown-up goths, you know? Mm-hmm. And they, they love that stuff. They like to dress in all black and go to a quote-unquote haunted hotel and hang sure. out and talk about it. But they don't. you don't get the feeling that they actually are... are are thinking there is a disembodied human spirit in this building. Right. It's the ambiance. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for that. Uh so at some point, yes, we will. We'll do our best. And my my like longtime goal, I would love it if I could at some point, well, A, get a house, but B get a really good discount on a house because <laughs> it's supposed to be haunted. Oh yeah. Do they have to disclose whether a house is haunted Apparently, in California? I, I don't know about this state, but I know many states you do have, you have to. have to disclose if it's haunted? <laughs> yeah, if right. If there's a story of it being haunted. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I know that in California, because my mom was a realtor, in California, you have to disclose if there was a murder, murder. or a suicide in the house. Or a death, I think. I think any kind of death. Yeah, and maybe I'm it. conflating those. Maybe maybe, uh, yeah. maybe there isn't such uh, a so, law in the books. But I would love to get a discount on a house because people believed it was haunted. Here's what we do. We start a website, mm-hmm. hauntedhousesofamerica.biz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
We go through every single possible address. I know where you're going with this. And just make up a haunted house story about it. I, I, I swear, I have proposed the same thing. Like <laughs> I, I've mentioned before on the show that I'm involved with the Independent Investigations Group. And we were joking one day about you know how many buildings in Hollywood have these haunting stories and how that's often really good for business. And we thought, well, the way to take the, the wind out of the sails there is just to make up a haunting story for every single building mm-hmm. in existence and put it out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that website is the perfect way to do it. But or if you if did it to get a lower price on your house, I think someone could legitimately sue you for that. <laughs> sure, but uh, you know that's separate from this project, which I think is fantastic. No, we, I don't we think it get... was when Mr. Thompson mentioned okay, it. Okay, here's but... something that maybe is a little bit more uh, legally safe. Okay. okay. If there's a house you want, beautiful home, you're thinking, I might want to move <gasps> into this home. Murder someone there. Exactly. Okay. Or... Oh, what a great... Why didn't I think of that? Or drive them to suicide. <laughs> oh, easier. Mm. Easier for us, right? That might be a twofer because they might haunt the place afterward. I have, like, I used to really be into ghosts and cryptozoology and that kind of stuff. But I used to like, you know, the scholastic book orders would come in, mm-hmm. you know, at school, and I'd buy all of the ghost books I could. World's find. strangest mysteries. Yeah, phone calls from beyond, and yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And I just love that kind of stuff. I loved ghost stories. And I remember when I was dating my wife and later, you know, after I married her. Your her, former girlfriend who you married. Right. Her house that she was raised in had all these haunting stories that her family would tell me about it. And I remember just wanting to like stumble across one. They had talked about like blue orbs that had floated through. And they talked about like getting like falling in, you know, on the floor and being dizzy and having the room spin around them and all these kinds of things. So I remember we would stay in the upstairs room and there was in one of the rooms, there were these uh, like claw marks on the back of this door. And they said that there had been a woman who had, uh, you know, she had gone insane and she was kept up there Mm -hmm. and they had put a mirror in front of it. But you could see the cracks and the scratches kind of um, extending beyond there. Anyways, so that's just a long way of saying I would always go up there and I would be thinking like, oh, man, I can't I want to see something like that. And I was kind of expecting it. And then I went through this kind of mental shift. And now I'll wander up there like in the middle of the night in the dark. And I just, it won't even occur to me until I get up there and be like, oh man, I kind of missed that feeling. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a ridiculous story. That's clearly where they kept a werewolf. (laughs) I'd never thought of it that way. You guys want to investigate werewolves? Yes. Yeah, if we can find someone who believes in Wander around Griffith Park at a full moon, see if you get bitten by anything. Werewolves of greater Los Angeles? You know, if you, if you... (laughs) If you do wander around Griffith Park (laughs) hoping to get bitten by anything and you don't get bitten or say you go and you spend the night in a haunted house and um, nothing happens. It's just a regular bed and breakfast and the most terrifying thing is you have to wake up in the morning and and talk to people. Uh Um, What do you do? Have you ever gone into investigation and it's just like, uh, there's nothing to this? Um, well, you know, that's a tough thing because if, like, let's say a psychic doesn't pr- accurately predict the future for you, you can maybe say that that psychic probably doesn't have the skill she claims to have, but you can't then say there's no such thing as psychic powers. Mm-hmm. All you know is that that lady doesn't seem to have them. Sure. So I think that would be the same thing with a haunted house. So if you get no experience there, that really only says anything about that one house. One example that comes to mind is when we went in for uh, reflexology the first time, you know, when we paid good money for that um you know with a tip because we were kind of pressured into it usually we don't tip uh and <laughs> did the reflexologist rub the uh index finger and the thumb together <laughs> it's like like most of what they did wasn't even reflexology and they weren't equipped to answer our questions and didn't respond to them at all so we're like oh, that wasn't a good experience so we just had to go and find a different thing mm-hmm. to talk about so i think that would be our reaction if we kind of went into something either we wouldn't do the show altogether because it just didn't meet our criteria mm-hmm. wasn't interesting enough or we'd go try to find another in the same vein. Okay, one last question from a listener. This is from, oh, it's from Adam Van Langenberg, who I know who's a very nice gentleman. Oh, okay, hi, Hello, Adam. Adam. Uh, and I guess this. let's focus this on things you've investigated, obviously. Okay. If you could eliminate one organization or belief or product, what would it be? Just think this is terrible for the world. This needs to go. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of like something that really distracts people from actually understanding the world or waste a lot of their time or money. I well, mean, okay, so I, let's, I, let's, mm. let's narrow this down then. So okay. I, I think it, it, maybe it's against both of your nature to say this thing shouldn't exist. I, what was the most unpleasant for you to just immerse yourself in? Well, you certainly didn't have any fun with the acupuncturist, but I, ima- true. I imagine we'd lean more towards like OTO, 
and the 9-11 truthers. Oh, being kind I don't of, really need to get rid of them, though. No, I, I, I mean, I think our difficulty in answering the question is that... The I, answer could be nothing. If yeah, yeah, if I was given the ability to eliminate any group and like it would actually happen, I would not exercise it, at least not with any of the groups we've investigated. I mean, I might get rid of the Tony Alamo group. Yeah, I was wondering if you, you might think yeah. that. Um, I mean, I, but... Yeah, wait a second. Yeah. Is this all because of that child rape stuff? <laughs> right. Well, child well, rape stuff and then all these people who are giving all their money and have no other place to go. But that's the thing. When I get rid of them, are they going to be helped by some sort of like work assistance program? Right. Or are they just left out? You oh, know, okay. In the so cold? this is turning into a game of would you rather? And I have, <laughs> right. to, I have to explain the rules of the universe that you've right. created. That's correct. Once you've gotten rid of this. all the cascading uh, eventualities. Yeah, I, let's I say let's okay. So okay, so let's okay. This is getting real nerdy. This is right up my sci-fi alley. Okay. Let's say maybe not eliminate, but wish never existed in the first place. Oh, okay, yeah, then that. That's, I mean, for me, I, I think, okay. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be helped by the Tony Alamo ministries not having existed. That's yeah. fair. Mm. Yeah, um, just make them disappear like Marty McFly's brother and sister in that photograph. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, Tony Alamo would have kept on with the recording industry and. Making denim jackets. Who knows? There's so many alternate universes, you guys. No, but he made denim jackets. That's like what he did. I think you're thinking of Tommy Wiseau, director of The Room. Those were leather. (laughs) But if you look up on eBay, uh, Tony Alamo denim jacket, you'll see that celebs are wearing them. You got your Miley Cyrus. (laughs) You got your... Other people, and they were Hillary the, Duff. Maybe. Are you serious? Yeah, I, I didn't know this. Oh yeah, so he had this what? denim you're, jacket. You're, you're Alex Mack. What was her? Who was uh, that? Larissa Olnick. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he made these leather jackets that sold for quite a bit of money, and now they're collectors' items. And if you go on eBay and look for them, they're like eight hundred dollar leather jackets that will say, uh, "You can't get these anymore because Tony Lamo's in prison." Anyway, <laughs> here's wow. Miley Cyrus wearing one collectors' items. Yeah. I actually, Ross, I wanted to get you one one of his shirts for uh, your upcoming birthday, oh. but I decided, why would you wear it? They're really ugly. Are they? Okay. Yeah, they're very right. ugly. Well, there you go. Great. Well, let's let's talk about the opposite of that then, just to wrap everything okay. up. Mm-hmm. What would we make um, everyone do? Kind of. I mean, your your slogan oh. is, you know, we do things so you don't have to. Well, what do you think that you've done that you would recommend people try? I would say uh, the easiest. Well, I, I guess too. Um, I really here. Uh, let me preface this by saying I would really, really like my own secret knife that I can carry with me <laughs> at all times. We Let's did see. recommend the the six for everybody. Oh, thank Absolutely, um, but that's one we might like to revisit at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ones that came to my mind were ones that were kind of on the fringe science aspect of our investigations, uh, particularly genotyping. Um, and, and that was an interesting news item in between when we did the episode and now mm-hmm. where the FDA kind of stepped in and said, Hey, stop giving out like medical results. You can talk about genealogies, but yeah. you guys did 23 and me, 23 mm-hmm. and me. Right. And they, they in particular were, uh, kind of stomped on by the FDA. Um, so that's one that I would recommend to everybody. And I think, you know, kept in perspective, those are actually, and they're back in power, right? Are they? I mean, not like, not like they have a sovereign state or something, but yeah, I think they, I think they can <laughs> they, do they their can business still do again. The, they can still do the They historical. will accept your spittle again. I right. So. I think you only get the historical results right still? now. Still? Okay. Yeah, I don't right. think you get. So maybe that's not being, the greatest recommendation. Well, you can send in your spit and find out where your you came from. Where you came from, who you're related to, that's also done 23 Right. Not if what your risk is for Alzheimer's. Right. Mine is quite high, by the way. And it, Excellent. <laughs> and it requires like, you know, a fair amount of understanding of what it's actually telling you right. um, and what it's not. Uh, we talked about that in our show. Uh, and then the speed reading, I think, was, was actually beneficial. Um, again, kind of like hypnotherapy, I think some of the, the claims behind it might be overblown. But there's some helpful motivations there. I think people should do whatever is important to the other people in their lives. So if you are if you have someone in your life who's Mormon, if you have someone in your life who's something we haven't covered, Catholic, um, mm-hmm. uh, non-believer, whatever, um, that it's really important to show up with them. And and find out what they believe instead of instead of listening to us instead of reading a book about it, um, and because I I think that that personal experience really changes you and changes your perception of those things and makes it harder to judge. Gives you empathy. Yes. That's very good advice. 
I'm glad you guys are empathetic, so I don't have to be. <laughs> I'm a sociopath. Aww. Great. We're so glad to be here. <laughs>